0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Coffee with Closers where business leaders share insights on how to build businesses from the ground up and best practices for innovating in their industry. Hey Michael, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. Uh, You have an amazing journey of entrepreneurial uh, success. Um, someone who overcome obstacles to build an amazing company. You have reputable clients, uh, retail brands as your customers. So talk to us a little bit about your journey of building this Branded Group and how you became an entrepreneur.
1: Well, super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I also wore my Coffee for Closers t-shirt to uh, be on the podcast with you today. Uh, Yeah, just a quick deep dive into what, uh, what started the Branded Group. Got out of college in 2001 right before nine 11 happened and you know, job market was very difficult. So took a, took a couple of sales jobs, learned everything I needed to know back in 2001 about sales, which was pound the phones. And it was a numbers game. Um, Fast forward a couple years later, I started working for the the retail company Jones apparel group. Uh, Their main brand was nine West shoes and I was a facilities manager. So I had 300 stores. I didn't even know what a facilities manager was. basically learned everything you could from the retail side of being a facilities manager. And then about 2007, right before the housing market uh, fell out, I went and worked for one of my supplier companies uh, and they were called empire facilities at the time, became the VP of sales and marketing. Uh, It was really the only job they had. And it was like the last thing I wanted to do at the time. Uh, Didn't want to do sales ever again after pounding the phone so much, but it was a different kind of sale. And I learned, the relationship based, uh, aspect of selling was there for seven years, learned everything good and bad things I wanted to do and be better at and things, you know, I didn't want to repeat. So that's kind of, you know, what happened. They got bought out by private equity in 2012. And I, you know, I, I wanted, I got put into a place where they wanted to bring someone in above me. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't the VP anymore. I got demoted to the director and, uh, I got let go at the end of two thousand and thirteen, and I decided I could do this on my own. I could do it better. And uh, I could do it from California because I was living in Long Island, New York at the time, and I was tired of snow. So I sold my house and uh, drove across country and started Brandon group.
0: yeah. i mean, if you if you look at that journey, there's been a lot of obstacles that you had to you had to face, um uh, some personal and obviously some from your own career. Um, so how, how did you actually have, you know, go from that, you know, seeing those obstacles as they were, but still having the confidence and the, the stamina to kind of face it.
1: I was at a point in my life. I was also had just gone through a divorce, um, and go, going through a divorce and kind of seeing the writing on the wall for a good year of getting demoted. Uh, you know, they, they were, they, they were going to get rid of me and <clears throat> they wanted to get rid of me because I was their top seller and they didn't want to pay me commission anymore, you know? To beat to be completely honest and so the writing was on the wall and I was just like I have nothing to lose like mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, money money at that point was what I was like you know it was a competition like I'm selling the most I'm bringing in the most money but it wasn't bringing in the most happiness mm-hmm. and so I I decided like I got nothing to lose and I'm gonna sell my house I'm gonna move to California because that's where I personally wanted to be and I'm going to start, which was like the worst place to start a business. But that, you know, the sunshine tax is a real thing, but happy mm-hmm. to be here now. But, uh, you know, I moved to California, started started Branding Group because I was like, if, if it fails, I got I can always make more money. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, not anything scary to me at that point. So there's not, nothing to lose mentality, I guess
0: yeah and oftentimes i think you know obstacles you you can either look at the obstacle as an obstacle and 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 turn it into an opportunity or you can be so negative about it and just complain all you want but you kind of have to take your own matters to your own hands and take take the appropriate steps to change it right change your story change your destiny because that's truly what entrepreneurship is right because it Someone sees a you know a problem and they complain, and an entrepreneur sees the problem and figure out how do I solve it and how do I turn it into a solution that millions could actually benefit from it, right? And today that's that's what your story is.
1: I think so. I think I live by uh, the saying uh, victim or victor, right? So you know I think we've all played the victim at some point in our life. I know during my marriage and the end of my time at. Uh, empire facilities i probably played the victim more than i'd like to admit Mm -hmm. and i i was tired of it so i you know i did some personal journey stuff uh some therapy things of that nature and uh, learned to be a a victor Mm -hmm. and here we are today i still hold that mantra pretty true and say that i say that quite often you know you can't let you can't let circumstances dictate your life Mm -hmm. you're you're in charge of your destiny
0: most certainly. Obviously, you've accomplished a lot and I remember from our prior conversation in your previous uh, company that you were working as an employee, you took a company that was just in the, the two digits, um, I, I think they were probably 10 or 15 million and you grew them up to about 55 million in your time when you were the sales were up there and now you went down to build your own uh, company and you have well over 80 employees some ex- extremely, uh, recognizable brands, um, as customers. So for all those things that you accomplished over these years, what, what is, what are some of the things that you're so most proud of as an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, as an entrepreneur, I mean, taking a company, you know, I've always told in the first five years, if you make it past five years, you know, you're, you're probably going to keep going and you're not going to be, uh, uh, going out of business or anything like that so the fact that we made it to five years I celebrate I celebrated pretty hard after our fifth year anniversary but uh, I'm really most proud of our our one for one program that we started uh, we started that after uh, year two and it, you know I was I was turning a profit I turned a profit year one but it was mostly because we had no overhead mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I turned a profit year one but I was f- finding myself very dissatisfied with things you know running the business uh it was a lot of work and i was like cool i'm I'm making money but what what kind of uh impression am i leaving on the earth and Mm -hmm. i i I started thinking and digging like how can i use my biggest tool which is branded group to give something back so we started the one for one program which was we donated uh a minute of service time through our employees to um our nonprofit partners which have grown over the years to from habitat for humanity uh, and Second Harvest Food Bank. Uh, and we so we donate a minute of time building houses or working at at the food pantry uh, mm-hmm. with our employees. Uh, we've grown so exponentially through the one-for-one one program that it's no longer one minute of time for every service call that we complete because I'd have to hire someone full-time just to do service work, which is a good thing. <laughs> but now, you know, we make a commitment to do a certain amount of hours every year with our employees through these uh, nonprofits. And we also have a day of purpose for our employees. So they're able to, if they don't want to do Second Harvest Food Pantry of, of Orange County, or they don't want to do a uh, Habitat have have for Humanity, they can pick, you know, their, a pet shelter or a soup kitchen, whatever that makes their heart feel happy to, to go out and do some, some time as well. So we, we pay them a day of, uh, of work and they can go spend eight hours doing whatever they want to do, uh, volunteer-wise.
0: Yeah, most certainly. And I think you built a culture around this whole service model and you, have, you kind of coined a term as well. Do you, want, do you mind sharing a little bit about that?
1: I mean so when we start yes when we started uh, our motto was be better and mm-hmm. it was it was really uh, it's such a simple two word uh, motto right be better and it's just you can use it for everything so it's grown to be uh, something that we live by so you know we were like let's be better to our supplier uh, contractors because without them we're nothing we're just a management company we're a middleman and if we don't have our suppliers you know, happy with us, they're not going to perform the work, they're not going to jump for us. So we make sure that we're transparent with our suppliers, and we pay them on time. <clears throat> we make sure that we're better to our clients. That was the, the second branch of be better. So be better to our clients. Mm-hmm. We want to be transparent to them, tell them, you know, honest, honest ways of, of what's going on, honest updates. Uh, be better to our community. That's the Habitat for Humanity, the Second Harvest, the Days of Purpose and then we wanted to be better to our employees we you know we make sure we treat them fairly pay them fairly things of that nature and uh uh, the the last one to be better to ourselves uh you know we go through this world and at the last place like we talked about earlier i spent so much time you know trying to make money and and, you know my divorce a lot of things led to my divorce but one of it was that i was out of touch i was just so focused on winning and getting money that i didn't have any time to focus on myself and my you know my family um, so now, you know, be better to yourself, you know, mental health, uh, physical health, eat right, you know, gotta be in shape. Well, what's the point of making money and having a successful company and giving back if you can't live past 50, right? Mm-hmm. So these are, these are the things that, that we focus on with be better. That's, that's where it all spawned from
0: yeah well certainly and i think uh, that's i mean i've heard businesses that are just based on a mission they have a cost like they they use cost as their marketing or cost as their why behind why they exist and i think you created a really good culture around this be better concept uh, and i think you've you've been recognized in the california market right as one of the best places to work and and you you had some accolades uh, for that can you talk a little bit about how you really built that culture within your company and and rallied your entire team to kind of buy into this whole concept.
1: Sure. So uh, after year two, we had grown. We were probably about fifteen to twenty employees, and uh, you know we were again turning a profit. We had just started the one for one program, so that you know the employees that were there were were able to do that. But there was still kind of a disconnect, and we started doing employee surveys to find out what the problems were, and there was there were some problems you know it's just like any growing business there was some some bumps in the road and some unhappiness amongst the ranks and we you know we took that survey and we went through it uh you know with the fine tooth comb and we found out all the things that were really upsetting to the employees and you know what we did is we acknowledged them and mm-hmm. there were some things on there that were like ah we want you know four weeks of vacation and we're like <laughs> okay well that's probably not going to happen but we we've, we've read it mm-hmm. but there were things on there that we could change and we we did say like okay, you guys want better wages, or you, you want like an extra couple of days off, or you want you know longer breaks, or whatever the case might be. We acknowledged them and we made the changes on everything that we could. Mm-hmm. And I think that the employees felt like they had a voice and their voice was heard. And you know, our 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 work staff is probably 85% millennials. So I think for them, it was you know just being able to to have their voice heard and see the changes like oh this company cares about me it's not just about making money and that's that's really you know that's me i i care about my people i care about my clients and it's not just about making money it's about you know create you, you spend more time in an office with with the people that you work with i mean at least before the, before the pandemic you know but you spend more time in the office with with those people than you do with your own family. So you're you're there 40 hours a week, right? And mm-hmm. you're you if you're lucky, and you're working with these people, they they become part of your family. So mm-hmm. you want to treat them right. You don't want people feeling like they're disrespected or they're not being heard, because that's one of the worst things that i i think if you feel like you don't have a voice so
0: yeah most certainly and i think creating that culture is it kind of it's a top down uh game almost right i think oftentimes we just think okay it's an hr function to to create the culture from all the things that i've gathered and read over the years it's almost like at the top down the ceo kind of have to determine what is going to be the culture of that organization and then guide that organization to go, you know, to, to kind of adapt to those, uh, culture and ma- ma- you know, mantras that you've created as a group. Right. And I think that's essentially what you've done, uh, with your, with your organization. Yeah.
1: I, I think, uh, thank you. I think I'm the point, <clears throat> the point person, right. If I, if I lead by example, I learned a long time ago, like my, one of my bosses at empire, he, he brought me in and he said, you know, do like, don't just, tell everyone what to do like get in there and roll up your sleeves and show them that you can do it too that's Mm -hmm. how you earn their respect and then then they'll they'll work harder for you so same thing like i set the trend i set the tone with the culture and i live i live and breathe it i'm not i'm just i'm not some guy just writing it and like putting Mm -hmm. words on a wall like i i breathe that stuff i'm volunteering hours with them as well out of habitat you know i'm donating time at second harvest i'm i'm doing all the things that that I'm asking them to do as well. And so I think they respect that and see that, that their CEO is, you know, living those words. And thanks for bringing it up before. I'm sorry I didn't touch on it, but we have won uh, Great Place to Work award uh, three years running. So, mm, that so it's, is awesome, it's definitely that those surveys brought us forward, you know, into year six. So year four, five, and six, we won,
0: so. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations yeah. on those accomplishments. It's not easy to, to, to be able to get those recognition. So obviously you've you've learned a lot in the in the process of building a company uh, what is what, like one big lesson you you would say that you learned as an entrepreneur in the process of building this com- company that you run today
1: uh, I mean the you know when I when I got let go I was sitting in my old house at, at the uh, I had a kitchen like like counter and I was just typing away starting brand group and I started diving into Doing company documents for filing for like the state of California for a business license and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. so I hired a lawyer and you know I started trying to do my books and I I don't know what I'm doing so I hired an accountant you know I read and then I read the book uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber and he, he really dives into that when you're an entrepreneur he says you know you know you're gonna wear many hats but as soon as you can get that that hat off and you can hire an expert to do it do it because you know the cost the cost time analysis, cost benefit analysis, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. you know, why spend time doing things you're not an expert at when you can focus on what you're good at? Which for me was sales and, and building culture. So yeah,
0: most certainly. And I think that that is that self awareness is an important quality in an entrepreneur, uh, right? Because oftentimes. Um, I think I, I think I, it could be Emith or I'm not sure which book I've read it. Basically, you become this practitioner, right? You're the founder, you're the visionary. You also become the practitioner, which you're also doing the job, right? So then you're not you. You, you have to figure out how do you replace yourself, right? Because if you're holding all the keys and you're controlling everything, then if anything happens, you hit you get hit by the bus. Then you are the business. There's no real business. It's it's you. Right? So I think coming to the realization that I'm not the strength, I'm not the guy, right, and that there is experts that know how to do go form a corporation, how to make sure that you're set up for success and that you have all the right, right safety measures in place so you're not going to get sued or whatever that is. right, And then the guys that know how to look at the numbers and figure out where you're making the money and where you're losing the money and give you, recon- you, know, give you ideas on how to be efficient. Like those are things that I think entrepreneurs sometimes they think in the, in the name of saving money, they try to do too many things. But then they're they're really not an entrepreneur. They're kind of like a running a a, more like a, um, I don't know, what you call it, more like a lifestyle business almost, right? So if you're trying to scale, you can't try to save a penny, right? And trying to save a dollar, you know, lose a penny, whatever that saying I've heard people use.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. That was the E-myth. And it's the same thing when you get caught in the operator or whatever you're like, you're good at. I do think he referenced that where if you get hit by a car, your your business is no good, right? So you yeah. got to hire experts, and it you know if you're if you are what is it? I think you you were trying to say like a penny wise, a pound foolish, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so so you're not making that you're not making that money, uh, you know you're not if you're if you're trying to spend all this time focusing on you know balancing the books oh. and you're not even doing it right because it's going to cost yeah. you money anyway. And then you're not focusing on what you could be doing better, which is like selling. So
0: Yeah. And you want that outside recommendation. You want that outside eye because you're looking at the same thing every day. You want those um, additional wisdom from people that might be doing that forever, right? That that's their expertise so they can look at the things and see patterns that you would not see because they've seen hundreds of books before. Uh, So they're able to call attention to things that you may overlook. Um, has there ever been in your in your uh, in the process of building the company, have you ever been resistant to change as things evolved, maybe technology technological advancement or things like that? Where, hey man, I, I don't want to do that. I've been doing it this way. I don't want to change. Has there ever been circumstances like that that you can think of?
1: Uh, I'm I'm pretty flexible when it comes to that because I'll be the first to admit I am not the technology guy at the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the sales relationship culture guy. Uh, so my partner, he's the technology guy. And when we first uh, started, uh, 2014, we went with uh, Gmail as mm-hmm. our uh, as our platform for email. And I had to I had always been on Outlook, so I had to mm-hmm. relearn Gmail. And the first two months, I'm like, I hate this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't figure it out. But you know, I figured it out. Um, so I'm not really resistant. Like for now and and currently, I learned how to do sales. In, you know, 2001, pound the phones, goldmine was the, you know, mm-hmm. top of the line uh, system for, for salesmen at the time. And I have two 20 something salespeople now, and they don't do cold calls very often. You know, they don't do email campaigns. They, they're they on LinkedIn. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they've closed more deals on LinkedIn in the last, two years than I've ever done on LinkedIn. So I wouldn't say I'm, I'm ever opposed to it. I, you can teach this old dog new tricks, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely, it's it's hard for me to learn it maybe. So mm-hmm. I guess that, that that's that's where I'd go with
0: that. Yeah. And I think the, the, the reason I brought up that question is oftentimes the resistance to change, especially as time evolves or things evolve, right? And the entrepreneur who is at the top of the game, like if that person isn't willing to adapt, oftentimes they can hold the company back because they're, they have some, some you know some old habits that they don't want to get get rid of uh, right i think that recognizing that is important i think even though you found it difficult to to adapt this gmail technology today your company is completely remote for the last whatever number of weeks uh, and you're you're able to operate because you're not tied to a local machine and running a server to check your email right and there are companies that i've heard uh, where they're super tied up to a physical location or a or a server or something like that to be able to access their files or send an email and things of that nature. Um, so that's that's why I was curious to see if there was ever a time for you.
1: No, no, definitely not really a time. But yeah, the thank thankfully we did go with Gmail because when this pandemic hit, we literally on a Friday told everyone don't come back to the office and they haven't been back since and it was seamless. No one, no one knew. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a blessing. I mean, uh, that certainly is a blessing to recognize. Um, how has your approach, uh, or at least your, uh, the way that you perceive uh, sales marketing and uh, and overall leadership changed over the years that you've been a leader?
1: How has my approach changed? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, I, I, I don't know how to really answer how it's changed. I think it's just evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I started, I was probably a young guy trying to be, uh, everything, you know, like we talked about. And I, I really started feeling like I needed to give something back and like give my employees a place to be happy at. And so, you know, I'm very employee centric. And I think, I think when I started, I wasn't that way. I don't, I don't think I had found my way to evolve into that yet. I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I was just trying to make sure we didn't go out of business. So I'd say just being employee centric and, and really, you know, taking care of my people and, and building this culture and now culture is like when i started you know it was a thought in the back of my mind but we had two employees so i wasn't really thinking so much about about culture but now i'd say culture is probably my number one thing that i do on a daily basis is figure out you know we just we just put together our uh, 5k uh, be better together run that we're doing virtually with our with our employees during the pandemic and they're going to go out and run a 5k in their own backyards and we're going to take pictures and all bring it together. So that's some mm-hmm. stuff I probably would have never thought of six years ago, or I mean, especially, you know, during the times that we're in now. So
0: mm-hmm. and obviously, I think when you and I were with start of the conversation, I remember you uh, actually had a PR person that's representing you personally, and also representing the company, uh, which kind of also shows the way that you've um, positioning yourself, right? Because you want to have you are position yourself as an industry expert. You're you're in the process of starting your own podcast. You also have some books in the making. So talk to me a little bit about when when did you realize it was time that I actually need professionals who can um, who can kind of help build a brand and not just you know Michael alone is is kind of writing the shit.
1: Uh, so we'll, let's go back to the e myth, right? I'm not a PR person. Um, I knew the one thing that I had in this industry that, and I'm in a very niche industry, so. We have a finite amount of uh, retailers and tours and whatever, and we have a finite amount of suppliers. So um, I knew that if my reputation ever was tarnished, you know, mm-hmm. that that was the end of me. And so I wanted to make sure that we could build my reputation and Brandon Group's reputation through an expert. And, you know, Jennifer from On Purpose PR uh, came in and I've known her forever. She had worked at uh, the last company that I was at and then, she's also got let go right around the same time as me and we were able to link back up and work together mm-hmm. and uh you know she's been a catalyst to help me with the the one-for-one program that we previously talked about and even the be better together 5k I just spoke about i mean mm-hmm. you know these these were these are brainstorming ideas between me and her so you know it's been it's been great and uh, i highly recommend anyone that's an entrepreneur Again, pen. What is it? A penny wise, a pound foolish, right? Like mm-hmm. you're building your brand, you're building your company. You, the recognition, the stuff that you can get from building all that stuff, with a with an expert. You only. I don't know how to like quantify it into ROI, but mm-hmm. believe me, it's it's de- and you know it's the the big buzz, right? Mm-hmm. But it's definitely you know necessary in today's
0: economy. Yeah, and I think you you hit on a a great point because a lot of times entrepreneurs are ROI focused that they want to see results and they want to be able to measure that result. And a lot of time, a lot of times when you do things like you know you're doing branding initiatives, you're getting published on Inc. magazine is going to directly result result in an actual deal, right? And you may not be able to attribute that to a deal that you won. But it, that really goes a long way in terms of building credibility and recognition in the marketplace because uh, you can be a fly-by-night company and nobody heard about you and you could still be making money, uh, but you also can build a brand, right? The, the brand equity that you're building for your company is, is not something you can put a dollar, t- dollar next to it or you can not attach a dollar to it. But when it comes time, maybe you're trying to exit or something like that that equity that you build for the brand is going to live way past um whatever else right i mean that that's where the that's where the real the value comes um i think any entrepreneur yeah, that I mean, recognizes that is, is amazing
1: yeah just a little quick story on that we have one of our biggest clients is a big big retailer in the marketplace that's you know even doing well in, in the current uh marketplace. Mm-hmm. And the way that we landed them is we had uh we had done work with one of they're part of a big conglomerate and we had done work with one of their sister brands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They had a big um kind of summit. They brought mm-hmm. in their top vendors and we went in with like five or six other vendors and those vendors all did their normal PowerPoint sales pitch like. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do. I went in with my marketing and I went in with my PR and I said, here's what we do for giving back. Your service calls amount to this. Here's our culture. I didn't talk about what we do because everyone knows what, what we do, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're there for a the reason that we're a facilities management company. And I landed our a top three client in our company through not talking about what we do as a facilities management company, but as a, uh, you know, what we do to give back and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, directly had, the facilities, man. The director of facilities tell me, and still, that I actually was speaking to him right before this call. Tell mm-hmm. me, you know, we're going with you because your values align with our values, and we want to work with a company like yours. So mm-hmm. that's it's. I mean, I don't know what the ROI is on that, but it's it's there, right? So
0: yeah, and oftentimes you may you may not even be able to see such a result, right? And but there's probably some decisions were influenced because they saw what you do, your company values, how you give back, and also just your the, the standard of ethics that you you portray right and i think that's the that's the value of that too like like in this case you actually had a real story where someone actually recognized it and they they say okay this is the reason why we believe you are you're best suited for this partnership but oftentimes you may not even hear that hear that validation but they may have they may have that behind their brain they they, they recognize okay this company actually is someone that we want to partner with right so yeah it's, it's certainly important to to build a brand build a brand equity, you know, and then the leadership has a big part in it and recognizing that is, is super, super critical. Kind of in that, that theme, my, my question comes to you, basically, what are some of the characters that, that you observed, um, I personally, you, you, you believe that you might have, or that you believe entrepreneurs should have as far as some leadership skills or qualities that they sh- they should possess?
1: Uh, I believe that, my biggest characteristic that I possess as an entrepreneur that's you know helped me in my career is authenticity mm-hmm. I I was told a long time ago I just have that voice that sounds like uh, I'm being honest and I guess it's good but I really am being honest I'm always transparent with my clients if something goes sideways I'm gonna tell you the truth mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna fix it uh, I really do care I'm not I'm not just putting on a show to you know possibly drive sales I mean yes we all want to make money as an entrepreneur but you know you have to believe in what you're doing and, and care about the people that you're doing it for mm-hmm. and if you don't I, I think it comes across as very fake and and that, that most people can see that so I've always been authentic I've always just been myself and you know sometimes I I've been told I, I'm the emotional guy but that's okay. Uh, I'll be the emotional guy. There's nothing wrong with emotional intelligence and and being able to connect to people on an emotional level. So authenticity.
0: Makes sense. And what other characters have you noticed others that when you observe them as an entrepreneur, what are some of the things that stood out to you from their personality or their style?
1: I just think, you know, transparency, uh, being, you know, being upfront, being honest, you know, you can always tell, I had a sales guy when I was at uh, Nine West. He, he was the guy that called me and called me and called me and said, "Hey, let's go to dinner. Let's go play golf. Let's do, you know, let's do all this." I said, "Okay, well, you know, I'll do this." I was a young guy, so I said, "I don't want to do golf. You know, well, let's grab lunch." Came in, and he said, "Give me a shot." You know, so I gave him a shot, and he came in, and he, he gave me, uh, I gave him a job to do. It was change two ballasts, and uh, to change two ballasts at a Nine West store should have cost two hundred fifty dollars tops. Mm-hmm. and he charged me like 500 bucks and you know she gouged me thought i didn't know what i was doing and then he was like oh well that's how much it costs these are expensive ballots Like, tried to defend it and i'll <laughs> you know i'll never forget that and for me mm-hmm. it's like you know everyone's got to make money right i'm not i'm not saying don't make money but you don't have to make that much money and, and you can you can sell or be an entrepreneur just be honest just be upfront. just just be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And and make make your money, but also take care of your clients. What do you What are you in the if you're in the business just to make money, then it's going to be uh, I think short lived for you.
0: Yeah, so. most certainly. I think that's a that's a good good thing you bring up. And oftentimes you have that pressure, right? You you the pressure to win the deal, and you're you're trying to pamper that customer to get their get their you know. Get their buy-in, but oftentimes you can you can break that you know you can burn that bridge very quickly if if they smell the dishonesty, right? Whether through the pricing that you have or just the way that the quality of the output uh, that you delivered, if any of those things don't match up to whatever the promise that you made, that's not that's not going to live well, um, and then you lose that opportunity. And then and also in the long run, referrals and anything else that could come out of it, right? So I'm sure I don't know how where that relationship ended, but I'm sure that didn't last too long. But then there, you might have other scenarios where you have five, seven years long relationship with customers where until that person leaves or whatever, right They have the long-standing relationship that they, they just trust you. And then that trust goes a long way any than anything else that you can do. And even if you are a, a little bit more of an expensive uh, supplier, but if they can trust you and you know they, they know that you do a better job, they will tell you up front, man. You are a little bit more expensive, but I love you because I trust you and I know your quality is good. I know you will come through, and I've heard I've had customer tell us that. So I'm sure you've you've seen those happen as well in your uh...
1: absolutely. We tell them we're not the cheapest, but we are the best. You know, yeah. we we will. We'll let you put your head on your pillow at night and go to sleep, knowing that that job's going to get done. You're not yeah. going to get a call saying the store's on fire or anything like that. So yeah, and you
0: call me on a Sunday evening, I'll pick up the phone because I know that I I made a promise to you, and I can't make you look bad because that that look makes me look bad too. So that that's an Absolutely. important part of that. So I'm sure, as an entrepreneur, like you said, you're you're working on a lot. You got a podcast coming. You got a book in the making. You're also you know building an amazing company with culture. You still play a little bit of a sales role, uh, overseeing the entire organization. So there's got to be some hacks that you you have from a personal you know personal productivity uh, standpoint. What are some of the things that you do to stay atop of uh, you know on top of everything else that you got to get done?
1: Hmm. It's just time management. Really. I, I, I live by my, uh, Google calendar. Mm -hmm. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. So (laughs) I've had, I've missed a a few things because people are like, I'll catch up with you at 10. Well, it wasn't on my calendar, but it's really like, I learned that a long time ago, like be organized and, and stick to your time management because Mm -hmm. the days, you know, it's only 24 hours and you're sleeping six to eight of those hours. If you're getting, if you're being better to yourself and you're getting enough rest, (laughs) but so you really only have, you know, uh, eight, 16 to 18 hours in a day, and you need time for other things in that day. So you need to schedule time for yourself, for your workout, for, for your work, for, for your um, you know your meetings. So I, I, I actually read a book recently called Atomic Habits uh, mm-hmm. by James Clear. Have you read that book?
0: I have not. I, I would certainly look at it. So what, what, ex- what exactly is Atomic ha- um, Habits?
1: So it's it, the the crux of the book is very simple. Just you know, start. It, you can start a new habit, and it's as easy as just trying to get one percent better every day at that habit. So if it's mm-hmm. I want to get up at six a.m. every day. That was my actually my uh, habit for this this year to get a little bit more out of the day. Is get up at six a.m. I've been slacking a little bit during the pandemic, but uh, I think we all probably have right. But mm-hmm. but. 6 a.m. every day and it's like okay if you don't get up at 6 you got up at 605 today you got up at 604 the next day right just get one percent better every day until it's eventually ingrained in the fiber of your uh, of your life so mm-hmm. and then you can obviously compound habits over and over with other habits and then it just becomes this lifestyle so you know so you got you got to start small i guess so it's a, it's a great book
0: most certainly. So obviously, you know you've been learning a lot in the in the process, and I'm sure you look back and and can think of things that you could have done differently or better. But knowing what you know today, what would be the advice that you have for yourself when you were starting? Right, your two younger self when you were starting this journey as an entrepreneur. Uh,
1: so if you are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, don't doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You're gonna have People that are going to doubt you and they're going to be scared for you because they are scared for themselves mm-hmm. my mother could not deal with the fact that I was Starting my life over and moving to California. And she's like I what if you don't make it blah 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 and you know she Not that she wasn't supportive. She was just scared for me, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't let that fear overtake your dream like do not doubt yourself. So it may be scary maybe overwhelming but you can do it so just just stay focused and like no. That if you're thinking of doing it, just do it and don't listen to the doubters.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the, the you kind of have to have a mental you know you kind of have to make that mental decision too. Like, hey, I I know how to sense it when it's it's something that's true, right? Sometimes your parents can or your friends or somebody else can tell you the right things, but oftentimes it may not you know you may not receive well, right? Um, so sure. I think I think being able to being able to adapt accordingly, I think that's a, that's a key factor. Um, so I know you have a lot of things in the making. Um, um, you, like I kind of alluded to some of those things. What can we expect uh, in, the, in the coming days from Michael?
1: Well, we're, currently we're working on my own podcast, which uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to have you on. Uh, we, we just got it off the ground uh, a couple weeks ago. We're, fil- we're filming and recording our uh, third and fourth episodes tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we, we want to make sure we have uh, a good amount of content before we start releasing. And uh, just started working on a, a book about culture, the be better culture. So how to how to be an entrepreneur and build the culture. Uh, I'm sure it'll evolve over the next couple of months, and hoping to get that out, you know, by the end of the year, maybe middle of next year, or something like along those lines. So
0: what what's kind of the topic um, topic of the the podcast that you're creating?
1: It's the Be Better Podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a theme here, right? So yeah. Be Better Podcast, and you know we're not trying to just bring uh, business people on we just want people that are like successful in whatever it is that they do mm-hmm. and how they're better at what they do so uh, you know personal trainers uh, entrepreneurs for sure <laughs> but anyone that's doing anything in any industry we want to have on the show and why are they better and how mm-hmm. are they being better so this is kind of the common theme
0: makes sense and as far as like if you were to give like a one advice for somebody who's really struggling to build a, a strong culture within the organization what is like one thing that you've you said this is if you hit this, you'll you will see success in terms of building a strong culture.
1: I really think it's it's connecting with your people, you know. There's there's bosses that come in. My last company when the when the private equity took over and the CEO came in, she came into the office on a Friday once every two weeks. <laughs> she said hello to nobody. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was no way to build a relationship with her. I mean, I I make sure every morning when I come into the office I walk around, I say good morning to everyone. I don't care what you do in that office. I don't care if you're the highest paid or the least paid or, you know, your job is the least important to the most important, whatever, however you want to like determine it, right? Mm-hmm. You're still a part of the branded group family and you're important to me. So I appreciate every day that you come to work and help us build branded Group. So I make sure you feel that way. You know, you're not just a number. So if you want to build culture connect with your people, like whatever it is, you know, and I, I, I'm a little bit luckier that I understand, you know, emotional people, uh, like, and how to connect That's why I've been blessed mm-hmm. to be so good At sales in my career um, But build that relationship with that person Maybe they like baseball, maybe they like music Maybe they like politics mm-hmm. I don't know, talk about whatever you can Relate to them about And uh, just have a conversation Take, take someone to lunch randomly once a week Things of that nature like People want to know who you are And they want to res- respect the person that they're working for They don't want to just think they're making money for some big company mm-hmm. My opinion My, my, mm-hmm. my humble opinion
0: I think, I think you bring up a good point because oftentimes the thing as entrepreneurs, right, and we're the leaders, we, we think, okay, I have so many priorities, I got to get to it. Like you said, you got to live by your schedule and then you just get into that zone, right? Hey, I got pressing priorities that I got to put out some fires and I also have some proactive things that I got to take care of that oftentimes you overlook the building of the culture part of it. And I am guilty of that for 100%. And now, especially with us all working a little bit remote it's even more uh, uh, complicated because you kind of have to be proactive. Otherwise, you know, at least you used to see them in the hallway. Now I don't even see them in the hallway, right? So that that could be an extremely complicated situation, especially if you work remote. So are there yeah, any, anything? Mm-hmm, go ahead.
1: Yeah, just to touch on that, we've been uh, doing like Zoom happy hours and with our with our uh, team we've been doing like thankful Thursdays so every Thursday we we send out an email of what you're thankful for this Thursday Uh, last week it was our favorite restaurant that was still over for takeout and you'd see the mouth-watering pictures of that there's like 80 places I need to try in Southern California now because of last week but anyway things of that nature just keep everyone involved you know Mm. so
0: awesome any parting wisdom for our audience that you can share
1: I mean, I think we've covered a lot of good topics here. You know, if you're, if you want to be an entrepreneur, don't be scared, go for it. Don't listen to the voices though. I guess the one last thing that I didn't touch on is find a mentor in, in your area that you can connect with. If you are a entrepreneur or trying to be an entrepreneur, find someone who's done what you want to do and pick their brain, take them to lunch, sit down and, and, and talk to them and take their advice and then mobilize their advice. Make sure you utilize, you utilize it and you put it in action. That's what I would say is probably some good parting
0: advice, yeah. Most certainly. Well, Michael, I'm so appreciative of you sparing a little bit of time with me and, and sharing some of the expertise and experience that you've had in building this this business. I wish you all the best and I look forward to continue this conversation. Thank you so much. This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com.
1: If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.